gentlemen, welcome to the Deliberation Chamber, your pod for everything happening in the wide world of wrestling, your home for hot takes, your home for the jabroni of the week, and your home for the hottest action in the wrestling world. I am your host. I am Matt G coming to you live from Houston, Texas. And let's get right into the pod because we have a lot to cover tonight. Who is going to be the first entrant into the pod? Slowly meandering his way to the ring like big daddy cool. Big sexy Kevin Ash over the top rope. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. D-Rock, D-Rock, big sexy himself. Where are you coming to me live from tonight, my man? I'm reporting from Cleveland, Ohio. Believe in the land. Man, a little disappointed that you and the Lavender Prince aren't in the same room, but I don't disagree. I would never want to be in the same room as the previous two jabronis of the week. I don't want that to wear off. So I don't blame you for coming to me live from the Hilton Garden Inn of Cleveland. (laughs) But let's get to it, Derek. We got a lot to cover this week. A lot's going on in the wide world of wrestling. First thing is first. AEW All Elite Wrestling is on a hot streak right now. We're three episodes into Wednesday Night Dynamite. We're approaching the first, I guess, official AEW pay-per-view in full gear coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland. How does AEW keep up with what they got going on? They have so much momentum right now. What is that coming from and how do they keep it up? I mean, I think it's coming from a variety of different things. I think they're doing they're doing a really good job of building foundation, and it's and I think it's multifaceted. I think you have um, you obviously have the the support from Jericho and fans that have supported Jericho. I think I, I think which was, is really interesting is they've done a really good job. The uh, the VPs of the company, Omega Rhodes, and the Young Bucks building up younger talent around them. So it's not just a show about them. They're building up that talent um, and they're building storylines around that. Also, I think you're seeing things that you haven't seen before. I, th- I thought uh, we'll probably get into this, but Darby Allen, again, unbelievable work in ring with Jericho in that title match. What he was willing to put his body through with his hands tied behind his back, absolutely stunning. And I, I think that that's a... Yeah, I agree. I think... Um... That is something we kind of saw from AEW uh, and WWE this week. WWE last night on Monday Night Raw, trying to create some new stars, right? But they weren't able to do it in the same way that AEW was. I'll say this. I was watching that Jericho Darby Allen match with my six-year-old daughter, and she was taken away by what a star Darby Allen can be. She was talking about how he rode a skateboard to the ring, how he had his face paint done, how his in-ring persona was. And she was like, I want that guy on the skateboard to win daddy. And that is what wrestling's all about is finding someone to cheer for. And even with Jericho being such a huge star, being able to cheer for the underdog young guy against him. I mean, that's a huge thing. That's hard to accomplish. 
I do agree with that. I, I also think that they do have some built-in advantages, though, don't you think? Like, we haven't seen this roster of folks in um, in the limelight yet. So you do have you have the ability to see them for the first time and to uh, to not have any preconceived notions about them, about past character, um, you know, parts to their character, I guess, in the past. I think that's huge that they're able to kind of build them from the ground up. So much easier to build than rebuild, I think, in a lot of ways. I agree with that, D-Rock, but I also think WWE could do that. And they do do that very well on NXT, but then they lose no. that that momentum immediately when they mess it up on the the Raw or SmackDown main rosters. They really do. And I, I think a key example of that, I thought Bailey. I mean, there was there was instances where I had heard Bailey's name as like the new John Cena. The the John Cena of the women's revolution, you bring her up and she's like this really hot free agent and gonna take off, really change the game from the female division. That never happened. You know, that never happened at all. And actually it was a it was a horrible flop of a debut by her. So I do think they really struggled to do that. Also, I think the the big thing for me, how AEW is going to keep this momentum going, they're not trying to jam too much into every episode. We don't 100%. have to see the same people in every episode. Uh, for example, Cody didn't wrestle this last episode. The Young Bucks didn't wrestle in this last episode. Yeah, Kenny was there. John Moxley was there. Jericho was there. That was great. But then they mixed in a bunch of other new talent. And I think that's one of the things that really separates them is that patience. Like if there's a feud going on in the WWE, you're going to see that person or possibly those two people touch or wrestle every single week. And we're not seeing that in AEW right now. I could not agree more. I think everything you said uh, was so well stated. I also think it'll be interesting to see, can AEW, if they keep the momentum going, for financial reasons, they're going to at least uh, inquire about getting a second TV spot um, on a different day. I hope they can fend off kind of those whispers just because I think their material stays fresher than a three-hour Monday Night Raw followed by an NXT, followed by a a Friday episode as well, and uh, obviously all the the, uh, pay-per-views on top of that. I hope they can keep it as fresh. Yeah, I do too, and I hope they don't get desperate. Their viewership has been down a little bit every episode, Um, But I think that's to be expected. I think we're also in baseball playoff season. So you're, you're getting eyes going other places. Um, And I actually heard an interview from Cody where he said, they're not worried about that. TNT is not worried about that. So I hope they have the patience to keep looking at that long game um, and not feeling like they have to jam everything in. Oh, Derek, here we go. We got the next entrant coming in. Let's go. It's been a long week. The professor is back in the chamber, baby. Welcome, professor. How you doing tonight, Jeff? I'm doing. I'm doing fantastic, guys. Uh, a little bit of a slow week in the WWE, but AEW once again taking the cake, coming strong. I mean, uh, I, of course, we got to get to our next topic pretty soon. But Jeff, anything you want to add, or any hot takes you want to add? Or correct me and Derek on on our take on what's going on in AEW right now. 
Two quick things. So one, I love the win-loss record that AEW is carrying from match to match. I feel it makes every match matter. We're not just doing little, you know, matches here and there that that really are, are meaningless. Everything now has a purpose, um, which I think is really cool. It's, it's, it's a great aspect to see. And I would also say this. Um, while we didn't see Cody Rhodes or, like you said, the Young Bucks uh, have a match on Wednesday's episode, they did have a match that is featured on AEW Dark, on which is released every Tuesday on YouTube at about 7 p.m. So you can actually go over to YouTube and go to AEW Dark's channel and see those matches that happen after the filming. So I like that they're not playing them during the actual time. I think it, it condenses everything. It, it puts it in a good format. However, you can still see those matches later. The other thing I think they did really, really well, especially on their last show, is they are committed to promoting true tag team wrestling. And I mm -hmm. think that is so refreshing. I think they did a really, really nice job with that. And they're kind of forming a little niche there, I think, uh, where, where WWE has historically been so bad over the last couple of years of developing actual true tag teams. They're, they're making it that this is going to be one of the, the foundational pieces to their organization. What I think they're doing right is they're starting with this whole tag team bracket, right? Like, that's a great way to introduce the spectrum of the tag teams that you have to offer. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, they're doing a great job at tag team wrestling. I mean, personally, it was always one of my dreams to be the tag team champs. I, I thought there was nothing <laughs> more illustrious than that. And uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon and the rest of WWE have really flushed that down the toilet over the last couple of years, not because they have a lack of teams. I mean, if you look at the Revival, if you look at the Usos, if you look at the New Day, um, there's so much tag team talent in WWE it's just so inconsistently booked and you don't see tag teams necessarily being the main event of a show or being the focal point of a show. And I think that's something we're going to see different with AEW and that's what it's all about. AEW existing doesn't mean that WWE isn't good or is going to not work. It's just a different take on the product and I think AEW gets that, but I do not think that WWE gets that. WWE you seems it as competition, not as an alternative. What do you think about the Viking Raiders taking the belt from your boy Dolph and uh, Robert Roode? I, you know what? I'm fine with that happening because I think the Viking Raiders are a true team. Tag team. A tag team, and they should do that. And even, look, I'm a big Zack Ryder guy. I think Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are a great team. They've, they've been best friends for 10 years. They separated, but this whole new uh, gimmick that they're trying out right now, which I think is called the, uh, the pause, uh, the positivity generation or uh, no negativity generation. I can't even remember. Right in line with what the WWE wants. Yeah. But, but what I appreciate about what Zach and Kurt are doing is they're doing it through social media they're they're not uh, they're not just being constricted to what they're on TV and yeah they got beat by the Viking Raiders Raiders but at least they're trying something new at least they're staying a tag team and would that work a lot better in AEW which they could go to immediately but Zack Ryder doesn't want to yeah I think the bigger thing and let's switch to WWE now is you know before we even get to the Crown Jewel stuff. There is a ton of rumors going around that the morale backstage at WWE is absolutely horrendous right now. Professor, what do you have to say about that? 
I would say what you're looking at is you're seeing another product, another brand, another representation of the sport that you're actively competing in that's getting notoriety that is actually a wrestling-based product. It's for the fans. It's for the employees. It's for the wrestlers. And so if you're seeing that on the side and you're, you've been in this bad relationship with your company for years and you're looking over on the other, hey, a, a bunch of my friends have made a jump over here. They're having a lot of success. They're not on the road. X number of, of days out of the year. They're not having all these live matches in between. They are they are just putting out a good product week after week. I definitely think, you know, if, you, if you're looking at signing another contract, I mean, it's something to put on the table. Uh, Randy Orton is looking at possibly making a move. We've seen him teasing it out a little bit on social media. I think that would be pretty cool. I don't think he makes the jump. I think he's just using it to, to lock down some bucks. But I'm actually excited to see at the end of this year, what do the rosters look like? Who I makes don't... the jump to AEW? I don't think they have a ton of interest in bringing in Randy Orton. I think I, I think that I disagree and clearly you're forgetting about legacy. Derek. Legacy no. was one of the greatest factions. We'll talk about it later. In WWE, it was Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody road yeah you and i'm not sure you listened to the randy orton dvd video because that didn't go that well with those personalities (laughs) and they did not end on great terms from what i understand and i don't think that that's something that they're interested in i think i think it the key for aew if you are trying to if you're trying to build an alternative brand to wwe and avoid kind of the competition piece which i feel like they are for right now you don't want to get wwe superstars i think the more effective route to building this out you get their future stars before they can promote them into bigger roles so i think they attack more on the nxt level taking trying to get younger superstars before they make it to wwe to further build out that yeah brand. i think young superstars are important but derek straight to your face because I think Randy Orton and Cody, who is a personal friend of mine, I know you guys know I was hanging out with them at the airport recently, are on great terms. And I think Randy Orton's willing to do what's best for business. And I think he's bored right now. And I have heard him in interviews say he'd be willing to work with Sammy Guevara because he thinks he's got some great stuff going on. I think Randy's been frustrated with what's going on creatively at WWE. So I think... We don't know what he could do. And I agree with the professor that it would be really exciting to see some of these guys go over to AEW. And I think someone of a Randy Orton stature who's top five in WWE would be welcome in the AEW. Does he go over as Randy Orton? Does he pull like a Dean John thing and and kind of switch his shit? Randy Orton is his real name. So I think he sticks with his real name. I, I, I think there is a line where if it is your actual real name, WWE can't stop you from using it. I don't know the specifics on that because I'm, not a, I'm not a lawyer like you, Professor. <laughs> I think you're more qualified to tell us that than I am. I'll, I'll have to go through the, the terms. I'll, I'll check it out. Oh, we got one more entrant into the deliberation chamber. The Lavender Prince is here, and I'm kicking out from the two-time Tripronia of the week award. <laughs> well, welcome, Prince, live also from Cleveland, Ohio, but not in the same room because there's clearly some, some shrouded heat 
between you and D Rock. How you doing tonight, Mikey? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well, Matt. I know you're. Um, I know you're not a, a lawyer, but I hope you're not a, a public speaker as well, because I don't know if the word creatively or whatever you just <laughs> threw out there a couple of minutes ago means anything. Yeah. Um, Mike, I'm one of the think... world's greatest public speakers, so I'd appreciate it if you shut your mouth <laughs> and know your role. But before we even move on and you say whatever stupid <laughs> thing that you were going to say what next, Mike, does he have? yeah. I do want to know, Mike, you attended Monday Night Raw last night in person, live in Cleveland. You got to see the Natch go off and lose it just a little bit. How was Raw live last night, my man? Um, I think there were some some good things. Um, overall, I would give it probably about a C-, minus, um, and that's a below-average show. But I do want to talk about the Natch. Um, it was the it was my most favorite part of the of the show, just in general, and I think it kind of ties into what we're talking about with AEW and WWE and the biggest difference. And I think it's freedom of creativity and freedom to kind of just shoot from the hip, right? And I know that's kind of a professional wrestling term, right? But at the same time, I think we both can, or we all can agree that Ric Flair, to, Ric Flair doesn't follow a script, right? But his promos are by far the most commanding of attention and i think that's what you're seeing in AEW in a number of different ways i think we talk about our darby allen he's being allowed to kind of kind of draw out his own gimmick he's being allowed to kind of do some things maybe that like he wouldn't be allowed to in the wwe like for example skateboard to the ring and i think my favorite my favorite segment in the wwe show was rick flair because you can tell they didn't give him a, a piece of paper and they didn't give him a bunch of different things to read and that was very entertaining unfortunately yeah. for the for the rest of the show things like the Rey Mysterio promo, which was seems super forced. What about um, Dominic? <laughs> where the where is Dominic? Oh, it was to be honest with you, Matt. I think you would have loved this. There was a ton of where is Dominic chance going on. Oh. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing. But um, the Kane Velasquez bit was very cringy. I, I went back and I, I I ran it back on YouTube. It was it was a little bit better on on TV because the camera cut about a thousand times when he was. Uh, trying to wrestle Shelton Benjamin to the ground, but it was very, very cringy in the arena. Um, the dark match was was pretty cool. Bray is very, very captivating. Um, but overall, it was it was more of what we've kind of been dealing with. And my my buddy, who is a, is a, is an avid wrestling fan, he goes he he follows here and there. He knows a little bit about the characters. He even stated out of nowhere, this was an unprovoked response from him. He said, "It just kind of seems like they're trying to get to the next show." And that's a horrible, horrible place to be if you're in a, if, if, if you're in the, the business of sports entertainment because there's no patience, there's no storylines. They're they're really just trying to get to the next show, and it's it's tough. It's it's very very tough to watch, especially three hours in a row. Yeah, I I could not agree more, Mike. And and speaking of the next show, really the next big show and what we're building up to here is Crown Jewel, the live pay per view coming into you from Saudi Arabia. Um, live on the WWE Network, and that's what they're building to, and they're putting so much stock, in my opinion, into the Team Flair versus Team Hogan, which at first sounded like a great idea, but now Ric Flair did a great job last night, and actually, Mike, to counter you, I think they probably did give him a script. He just didn't care and didn't read yes. it and decided to just do whatever he wanted. You didn't see this because it was only on TV. It wasn't live, but in the middle of the match against Drew McIntyre and Ricochet, 
they cut to a sideline reporter talking to Ric Flair, and he didn't make a lick of sense. He told <laughs> Hogan he better show up on Friday because he's all talk. And I was like, what are you talking about right now, man? <laughs> the cognac is flowing it is, in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. It baby. is flowing, but... Here's the deal. That should be a great match, but it doesn't make any sense. Derek, what do you think's going on in Saudi Arabia Crown Jewel? Is it worth tuning into? Are we making any progress? Or are we just putting on another show in Saudi Arabia for no reason that's sidelining what's going on in the WWE? I think if you're already a member of the WWE Network, tune in. <laughs> you're going to see some things you haven't seen yet. Um, in no way is it something that I would start a membership over. Um, I I think we're putting on a show for you know wh- whoever these shows are for, as far as you know government or or whoever whoever's footing the bill is is who this show's built out for. I don't see a whole lot of uh, of interest in the card. I'm interested to see what happens. Um, with the Fury Braun kind of segment there, Ken Fury the wrestler. There's some reports out there that say Triple H has been like astonished by him. I'm hopefully going to get an end to this Rollins Bray thing. Interested to see how they do that, but it's more of interest as far as just where we're going with the storylines post this, not so much actually in the show itself. But even after dear. that match, they have a, uh, a steel cage match on Monday night, like following that. But do you guys do you think the fiend versus Seth Rollins is almost over? Is the America's nightmare? It died at hell in a cell. It died. It has to be. be. It has to be right because one, Matt, they're on different brands now. Like, when are we gonna? All the work that they put into the the the, the draft. I mean, when are we gonna see some fall? Not fall up, but when are we gonna see that actually stick to stick to what the storyline is? Right? Like, they have to put an end to it. I hope so. I think we all hope so, but you just never know. And I mean, even based off last night, they built a pretty good video package for Seth Rollins versus the fiend, but in no way did it make you want to cheer Seth Rollins. Yeah, and the Firefly Funhouse is supposed to magically return now on Friday. Of course it is. They burned it down. That apparently meant nothing. And then they had a vignette yesterday of, um, the Firefly Funhouse returns this Friday. Uh, so I, I just, once again, this stuff just doesn't make any sense. They're literally trying I'm to get really, to the next show. I'm really curious to see what they, what is the trajectory like for Bray after this mess is done? Like if he, if he continues to lose, like what is, what is the character there? Like, is it somebody that we're, we're other characters are fearful of? Is this, is this, end yeah. here and we go a different Derek, route with him as a character it, it worries I'll, I'll, me. Up. Oh, go ahead i'll tell you what my take of the week is it's that bray after this feuds with the new day and kofi uh. mania comes back oh. running wild oh my god our living rooms you've had one too well, many highlights down at the hotel bar down in houston baby <laughs> No, that's that. That's not <laughs> it. I know you can't. That's not it. it it's it, here. Here is what's going to happen. The next step is establishing Sister Abigail. That is the next step in this whole thing. And we've seen uh, some rumors. We've seen some rumors. Liv Morgan, while she's on Raw, I think that they're going to br- uh, bring her into a storyline and have her become Sister Abigail. Yeah, Doc Brown just brought me back to 2016 where that was a good idea. 
I was gonna say, here's, here's what, what I That's not the next step. Here's what I got, fellas. And Matt, you can get out that little hot take of the week button. Um, and <laughs> I said it a couple. <laughs> there he is. Um, I got. I said this a couple weeks back. I think it might have been on episode two here. Um, yeah. Backtracking. This is the. This is the only way I can see it making sense and uh, drawing some additional interest into the into the fiend and just completely getting rid of this Seth Rollins thing. The dead man is in Saudi Arabia. The dead man is riding on a, a float of himself. I don't know if you guys saw the parade or whatever the hell kind of party they threw. The way I see this falling out is the Undertaker shows up, the Falls Count anywhere, distracts Wyatt, a uh, taste of his own medicine, whatever it might be. Seth gets the pin. Seth gets the win. He keeps the belt. He goes to his respective brand. We got Undertaker on Friday nights on Fox. This is a hot plate. That is a very interesting take, Michael. And you better be very careful about what that could do to you this week because that is just the stupidest thing that anyone has ever said on this podcast. That you think <laughs> The Undertaker God. is going to be the next step. We already did that. We already did Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker at Mania a couple years ago. Like... This is a completely different Bray Wyatt. That's that has in no fairness, damn about that. It, in fairness, we already did Bray Wyatt burst the entire New Day as well. So you might have to chair shot yourself to the head yes, there, Matt, if yes, you're going to go that route. <laughs> please give him a chair shot. I mean, uh, it, uh, I don't understand how a Kofi Kingston feud is going to be the next step it's definitely for the not. It's definitely not. I was not. thinking more about Big E personally, but... Uh, look. So then you're gonna break up the new day. Xavier's out for a bit. You're gonna you're gonna break up the new day. Okay. (laughs) You're gonna break up this pod. You're gonna break up this podcast with these with these with this hypocrisy. I'm sorry that I have so many hot takes, and I know what I'm talking about right now, Mike. But before we get to our next topic, I good high spot. Good high spot for. I do just want to point out. I don't know if you guys saw this, but as of today on WWEshop.com, not a sponsor of this podcast yet, uh, they have released a new limited edition Undertaker Championship belt for seven ninety nine. Saw that. Uh, it's pretty cool looking. I don't know if I drop eight hundred bucks on it, but uh, is that how they uh, kind of send the message that yeah, we're gonna do another run for the take? For the dead man. I mean, I guess. For the I, American badass. We're going to give him his own championship belt. Wow. If he comes back as the American badass, that would be great. Yeah, people have been saying that. The American badass in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> <laughs> fucking epic. I think he's going to come I back. Guys, play. I think he's going to come back as the Saudi Arabian badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be unbelievable. <laughs> All right, shit. well. I think it's time to get to the hot take of the week. And we're going to talk about factions right now. We're going to get away from everything going on in current WWE. Yeah, we got some hot factions. We got the New Day. We have the Undisputed Era. We have the Inner Circle. But what are the best factions of all time? That's what I want to hear when we talk about the hot take of the week. 
when it comes to factions. So we're going to start with none other than the Lavender Prince, Mikey. Best faction of all time. Absolutely. Um, so I look at a couple things when uh, you know I look at the best faction of the week or the best faction of, of all time. I think number one thing you have to look at is its members. Number two thing you have to look at is its historical impact. Number three is the reinvention and then the longevity of its members in terms of what so they've done. So that was four things. That was four things. That was four things. My <laughs> fault. Okay, here. Right. Sorry. I, I did the spelling correction. You got the counting correction. That's fair. Um, I think the best faction of all time is Degeneration X. Um, and I think it's because of, obviously, the reinvention with, or with Triple H, the first reinvention, the opportunity for them to come back, I think it was in like 2009 or so. Um, and then the historical relevance of them kind of being a part of the whole Attitude Era. I think, um, I think Degeneration X is the greatest faction of all time. And which version of Degeneration X? Um, I don't know if you count it as maybe two versions, but I think the, the version, the first version obviously was invented with, you know, Rick Rude, China, um, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And then I think the night after WrestleMania 14, I um, think there's are two very different factions spot. though. So which one are those two very different versions? I, then I'm going to have to go ahead and say the original DX Shawn Michaels, you make the rules. We will break them. That's interesting. I would personally go with Triple H, Badass Billy Gunn, The Road Dog, Jesse James, and X-Pac for my version of D-Generation X. I guess China was in there too, but we're all entitled to our opinions. Um, let's go to D-Rock, best faction of all time on the... Hot take of the week! All right. <clears throat> so I got it down to two, and I think that one stands out to me... Uh, more than DX, because I feel like when we look at this historically, DX was in response to this faction, and this led to the greatest, the, the, the golden age of wrestling as far as ratings go. So I have to say NWO is the greatest faction of all time with the Hulkster joining Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and then they obviously get in uh, X-Pac and, yeah, and the Giant the beach, Rivers. 96, we're all aware. Right. So I think that that is the greatest faction because it, it forced WWE to step up their game. It forced Triple H and Shawn Michaels to form uh, Degeneration X. So I'm going NWO um, all the way. Uh, interesting take. Uh, you didn't really give enough detail there. There are many iterations of the WWE, uh, NWO and oh the WWO. That's no, I'm go. I'm going the original, the the original five there. Whoa, but once it became the outrageous the original five, oh, I thought there was an original three. Oh, and then I I, oh, I thought the uh, the next two editions were the giant next box. Uh, I could be wrong. Are you kidding me? The giant didn't join <laughs> until much later. Derek, you're the. You got the brownie. <laughs> Can't be talking about NWO history and put the giant as the fifth member. Okay. Well, I probably deserve that from the Randy Orton comment as well. So I'll take that with a badge of honor. Rough day for the D-Rock. Not only is it the most popular T-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees right now, but it is what (laughs) you are, Derek, because you left out the billionaire Ted... DiBiase, who was their manager, was the fourth member of the NWO. Then, shortly thereafter, followed by 
X-Pac or Six-Pac, as he was known in WCW. All right, let's move on to the prof, the professor, best faction of all time. On you your guys are all you, you guys are all living in the past. Let's talk about what happened previously in the WWE. But what I want to talk about is the past, the present, and the future. And that's right. I'm taking it to Evolution, who had a glorious mm. run in the early 2000s. We're talking Triple H, Randy Orton on his come up, Batista, and Ric Flair. All right. Now, I'm looking at their stats right now. Through their run in the early 2000s, we had Randy Orton and Triple H hold the World Heavyweight Championship five times. Batista and Ric Flair had the Tag Team Championship twice. Randy Orton and Ric Flair had the Intercontinental Championship. And in the Royal Rumble winner of 2005 was none other than Batista. This is where we saw all of these guys' careers really um, solidify, especially um, Randy Orton with his huge come up. The legend killer really evolved from this faction. I thought that was great to watch growing up. Uh, Evolution is by far one of my top factions. Yeah, that's a great hot take right there, Jeff. Evolution was an amazing faction, and it's a modern-day four horsemen, uh, which really is where all factions started from. Uh, and did they hold the gold? They absolutely did. But were they the best faction of all time? No. No, Jeff, they were not. I will let you guys know right now what the greatest faction of all time was with my... <laughs> Sorry, I knocked my microphone over. The greatest <laughs> faction of all time is none other than the NWO Wolf Pack. A very distinct version of the NWO, a babyface version of the NWO that consisted of Kevin Nash, multiple time world champ, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Multiple time world champion, the Stinger, multiple time world champion, the Lex Express, Lex Luger himself, a multiple time world champion, and Viva La Raza, Conan, a multiple time television champion. And the reason that the NWO Wolfpack was the greatest faction of all time was it did not evolve. It did not change. It was those five guys. They were the coolest guys on the show. They had a rap video. uh, And they were the baddest. And Sting painted his face red. So please correct me with why the NWO Wolfpack would not have been the coolest faction of all time. They didn't even have their own name. They had to they steal were, a former faction's name to base no their belts. entire organization off of. There were no belts. There was a short run. And quite frankly, I disagree. Yeah, well, everyone's... And didn't they start adding a bunch of people just like the other NWOs no, did as well? Hogan ruined it, just like he ruined the original I mean, NWO. But I'm sorry, we wouldn't all be throwing up two sweet signs if it weren't for the original Wolfpack right now. And here we are 20 years later and we're still all going too sweet. That wasn't a DX thing. That was the NWO Wolfpack. That was a click thing. Also, the NWO Wolfpack had an honorary celebrity member in Wade Boggs. World Series winner Wade Boggs. If you watch the documentary, it doesn't get hotter than that. Wolfpack 
for life. I mean, Wade Boggs, I think, does hold the the record for most beers drank on an airplane. So I think that's. <laughs> I'm only reverting back to always sunny right now. So yeah, I look, I I agree with all of you that I was correct. So thank you very much. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't agree. With you. I well, certainly do. You that. don't have to say. You know why, Derek? Can the host because, get Jabroni of the week? Uh, no, because Derek already got. You got Jabroni of the week, man. <laughs> He's already at, I can't be it. I haven't been it ever. And who knows if I ever will be it. Before we wrap this up, Derek, tell the people to shut their mouth because I need the professor to tell us where we are on social media. Hit him with the professor. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Go check out on Instagram at Deliberation Chamber. You're going to be in the know every time we post a new episode. Stay in the the news for all WWE, NXT, and AEW live updates, as well as going to ProWrestlingTees.com and grabbing yourself some too sweet merch, baby. We've got two t-shirts available right now for sale. If you like something in gray, we got it. If you like something in navy, we got it. And if you want any other colors, you just shoot us a DM and we'll get it up there. (laughs) 